let's see. So I've, uh, we're in the Gospel of Luke. I'm rearranging the sequence a little bit. Luke worked real hard trying to write a chronolo- chronological account for his good friend Theophilus, the most excellent Theophilus from what I understand. And, uh, but we're going to do it a little bit out of sequence, and that's okay. We're jumping into Luke chapter 9, verse 1, and it's related to what Tim was talking about today. Uh, he didn't just make up all of these ideas. Our church didn't make up this mission. This is the mission that Jesus sends his people on, right? He doesn't just want us sitting around and doing nothing. He wants us to be active and sent out seeing ourselves as ambassadors of him, representatives of him in this earth, that we would be a light of the world, right? That we would not be flavorless salt that's good for nothing, Right, but we would be someone that was is worth being like, worth imitating. Right, that we would be people that are representatives of Jesus. That they would see something different in us, and the thing that's different about us isn't us. It's Jesus that we celebrate. It's Jesus that we proclaim. So Luke chapter 9, we've seen Jesus, right, preaching the gospel, traveling with friends. He's called people to follow him, and now he's sending them out. Right? They've lived in maybe this degree of comfort where it's like, hey, I just get to hang out with Jesus. Sometimes he has me pass bread out to people. Uh, but most of the time, he's the one doing all of the work. And now he's like, all right, go do it, guys. Go do it. And this is what he says. Uh, he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. All right, and so he has equipped his disciples. He sends them out, not with their own message, right? He doesn't send them out to just do their own thing, right, to make up their own theology. But no, he sends them out with this message to proclaim, the message of Jesus, the message of the kingdom. And since they are proclaiming Jesus' message, Jesus is also going to be the one sending them with authority, right? As long as they're not simply representing themselves, right? Jesus is going to back them. Jesus is going to show up in the midst of their ministry. And so verse 2, it says, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have uh, two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, right, kick the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And the disciples, they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. All right, and so this is, actually, that statement right there is incredible. Jesus gives a command to his followers and they do it, right? And then Jesus shows up in the midst of of their doing it, where he's, right, able to heal, uh, he's able to have truth proclaimed in the midst of their mission. And so this is so cool. We are a people who are sent out not on our own authority. We are a people who are sent out not with our own message, right? We may be at times tempted to tweak the gospel message, but we cannot do that. We may at times want to shave off the offensive edges of the gospel, but we cannot do that. 
the gospel message, this message of the kingdom, they are the words of truth and life. They, it's the means through which people are set free. And if we were to reduce it, if we were to water it down, it would be ineffective to bring hope to this world. And if we do that, then we're no longer under his authority when we do it, we're doing that sort of thing. We'd be bringing our own message, and I guess we're the ones that'll need to be responsible for the miracles and the provision and the power of, of God at work, right? And we can't do that on our own. But those things show up when they go forth with the message of God. And so we, likewise, we don't go out to build our own kingdom. We are declaring the kingdom of God. We are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? We pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as the heart of a Christian, right? We've been so drastically changed because of the generosity he's shown to us, because of the great love that he has bestowed on us, because he was willing to die for us when we were his enemies, that we deem it just that we should now live for him. And we're not out to build our own kingdoms. We're out to build his. And that means there's going to be a degree of self-sacrifice, it's going to cost us something. We don't just simply get to go around and, and do whatever we think is a good idea. That God himself is going to send us out. God himself is going to direct us, right? And, and we should obey, right? Consider the life of the Apostle Paul. Once this message of the gospel took hold of his heart, he was willing to go and be sent. He was willing to preach and suffer. He experienced persecutions and beatings, and then the next day would get up, and he's like, oh, I guess that beating didn't kill me. I'm going to go back into that city and tell them about Jesus, right? And so, like, he chose to continue to proclaim this message regardless of the difficulty that he faced. All right, and so this is what we see Jesus doing even here. He's sending out his disciples to declare this good message. And now consider this, right? This is his mission, it's his message, and it's his authority by which we go. And now this might sound like a lot of work, all right? It might feel like this is a lot of responsibility, right? This might be like, well, I don't know, can't Paul do this? No, Paul's dead. All right, Paul's done his mission. He's completed his race. He's experiencing his reward. We're the ones on the earth. We're the ones in our community. We are the means through which Jesus intends on bringing hope to this world. And, and none of those works are the things that save us. Check this out, what Paul writes in Ephesians 2, right? Classic verse, but it's always good to be reminded of the message all right, this message that Jesus sends us with isn't just good news to the people who hear it, it's repeatedly good news to the people who proclaim it, right? This is something that we rejoice over and over and over in. It's something to be excited about. It's not just like, oh, I learned this a long time ago, let me teach you how to factor a trinomial. No, 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 this is super awesome for us to think about that we want to praise God about over and over and over again. For by grace you have been saved. All right, it's God's grace. We have been saved by through faith, and it is not of your own doing. And so even though we have this great mission, our obedience to that mission is not the thing that saves us. All right, our obedience to, to be able to do the works that God's called us to, that's not the thing that saves us. 
We are saved by grace through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Right? This is awesome news. This is great news. But check this out. The moment we are saved, Right? As we sit under the teaching of Jesus, as we receive the word of God, he calls us and he equips us to work. Right? Work is a four-letter word, but it's not a dirty one. Right? This is something that Jesus calls us to do. Verse 10, we are his workmanship. All right? We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. So I want you to know this. Elsewhere, Paul says, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That the moment we trust in him, we are made brand new. Jesus puts it in the language of we are born again. Completely new life is happening on the inside of us because of God's grace and what he's done for us, right? But we don't just sit and think like, this is great, I'm a new creation. Because Jesus has a mission for his new creation. We were created in Christ Jesus with the purpose of, with the intent of, doing good works, right? He doesn't want just have a whole bunch of new creations sitting around. He wants them to be functional. He wants them to be acting out and doing the things that he sends them to do, unlike the computer this morning, right? Like, I was trying to get it to do the thing that I wanted it to do, and it wasn't doing it, right? And it's frustrating, even though it's like this awesome thing. And I literally even built that computer. It was a creation made by me, and it's not doing the thing that I want it to do, right? It's not a very useful machine when it's doing that. Wow! But God makes you a new creation, and he has a good plan for your life, all right? God wants you to work. And this is a work that is not burdensome. It is a work that produces joy in your life, all right? It is a work that brings about glory to God and good on our behalf. And this is so cool. It says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, all right? So it's not even like God's just like, I don't know, I guess uh, just everybody uh, go out and just do good works. Uh, just, we'll figure it out. Like, no, God has been thinking about this from before you and I were made, right? God has prepared these things for us to do them, and we should do them. There is an oughtness there, right? The right thing for the believer to do is to obey the God who loves them, who's gifted them salvation, who's demonstrated his grace to us, and we ought to do those works. And it, I, like, I know sometimes it's like, God, is that really your plan? I don't know. Let me think about this a while. He's like, I thought about it a lot longer than you have, Brian. Right? Like, I've been thinking about this. I've prepared this good work for you to do. And even when I'm in moments where I'm scared to obey God, when I'm terrified of like, God, what am I going to say in this situation that my feet are going and I'm going towards this thing I think you're wanting me to do and I'm scared to do it, but God, you've been thinking about this and you're setting me up to succeed, right? This is a mission that is worth it, all right? This is something that's worth doing that God, God's not like, oh, let me just like watch all my, you know, followers, all my believers, all my sons and daughters, like I'm just setting them up to fail. Like when, when you've got a baby and they're learning to walk, you're not like setting up a whole bunch of traps for them to trip on. Like, no, you're excited about seeing them walk. You've set this path before them and your arms are outstretched and you're excited about their success, 
right? You're not there cheering when they fail, right? God's not interested in like a top 10 fail video on YouTube of his kids not succeeding, all right? He's been excited about you succeeding in the good works he's called you to do. And just as Jesus has prepared these good works for us to walk in, we too need to prepare ourselves, all right? We too need to prepare ourselves. Check this out, 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. This is the Apostle Paul again. He says, now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And so Jesus has forgiven us. We've experienced grace through him that's received completely by faith, not a result of works. But yet you and I have this responsibility in partnership with the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus, that we practically live out a life in obedience to him. We aim to please him. All right, and so the Holy Spirit, is he's working in us to make us more and more like Jesus throughout the decades of our lives. All right, but we cannot be lazy in that process, right? We need to intentionally be purifying ourselves, cleansing ourselves, that we would be equipped for every good work, right? That we would be equipped for the things that Jesus has called us to do. That, that's what Jesus would have us do. And so we need to partner with the Holy Spirit in that. And so each day when we would pray something like, right, let your kingdom come and your will be done, be expecting for God to give you unction, for God to lead you, for God to tell you something like, hey, do this next, do this today. This is, let's put this on your calendar. This is what I want you to do today. And if you seem to have a day without a lot of things on the agenda, the work that you can do is one of preparing yourself as a vessel worthy of what God has called you to do. Right Where you can do the work of sanctification, where you can be reading the word and equipping yourself with truth, right? where you can be intentionally putting to death that which is earthly in us, right? that we can be setting our minds on things above rather than temporal things that are not going to matter in the long run anyway. Right? And so as we prepare ourselves in those seasons like that, we will be a vessel of honor, Right? Paul says it this way, he says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Right? He's writing to this young pastor, Timothy, and he said, like, Tim, this is what you need to do. Right? Like, hey, if, you know, be a vessel of honor, useful to Jesus, that he's got all of these good works prepared for you to walk in, but prepare yourself likewise. And you're not alone in this mission. Let's see. Uh, Eli, my man, hook me up with Luke chapter 10 real quick. Verse 1. You got it. Yeah. All right. It's working. Thanks, technology, too. Yeah. Uh, So Jesus sends out the 12, and they go, and they do the things that Jesus tells them to do, and he shows up empowering them. And then in chapter 10, he does a very similar thing 
where he sends people out two by two. Here we go. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead, uh, on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Right? He, he wasn't saying, you guys are going to have to look really hard to find someone who's not heard about Jesus. That's not what he said. He said there's actually going to be plenty of them. All right? The thing that we're lacking are people who are willing to be sent, people who are willing to go. And he tells them this, right? Uh, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Right? Pray that God would send out more people to proclaim the message, to tell others about Jesus in a simple testimony of what Jesus has already done for them. Right? He said, pray that God would do that. And consider the possibility that whilst we're praying, we might be the answer to that prayer. Right? We might be the ones that God wants to send. And notice that Jesus isn't afraid to call this labor. All right? That there's, once again, a degree of, of work to this. So, like, we can't have the mentality of, okay, if, if the Holy Spirit's leading me to, to tell my neighbor about Jesus, it, mu- it, it needs to be super easy. Right? Or it needs to be super convenient. Like, no, there's going to be a degree of work, sometimes even difficulty to it. Check this out. He actually continues. He says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. He's like, I'm literally sending you into danger. Right? Wherever you go, I will be with you, even to the end of the age. But where you're going, it's going to be work, and it might be dangerous. Okay, like, there, it's not always going to be received well. In fact, he, he keeps going. He says, once again, the theme of carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Now, that's not Jesus' prescription all the time. Uh, Luke 22, you can read it on your own. He actually tells him to grab a money bag. But nonetheless, verse 5, he says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Right? So Jesus is saying, some people will receive you. Some people will receive the message that you bring. But then he continues, uh, verse 7, And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. And whenever you enter a town, verse 8, and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Right? This is the purpose of the mission. This is the thing that we rejoice in, is that people respond to the message. Okay? That the work is worth it because people respond to the message. Right? The, the danger is worth it because people respond to the message. But not everyone will respond to the message. Okay? Jesus says not everyone is going to receive you, but even that awkwardness, even that difficulty, even the risk of offense is worth it to plant the seed of the word of God in their heart. It's worth it for those who do receive the message in that season, right? It is worth it. This mission is worthy, okay? And so this is what he says, verse 10. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, Go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our own feet, we wipe off against you. Right? Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And Jesus says, I tell you, it will be more bearable uh, on that day for Sodom than for that town. And so Jesus is realistic in the sense that not everyone will receive. 
but he considers everyone worth uh, giving the opportunity to hear, right? Everyone is worth giving that opportunity to, that we have received this free gift and we cannot keep it to ourselves, right? We must go out and proclaim this message. This is good news. It's the best news, right? Because we don't come with a burdensome command of what they need to do in order to be saved. No, it's a free gift, and it's incredible. And as a result of these disciples obeying Jesus and being sent, in verse 17, Eli, if you can help me out, this might be all as far as I get today, Uh, it says that the 72 returned with joy. That as a result of their obedience to Jesus, they experienced joy that they never would have otherwise. Okay, when Jesus gives us commands and he tells us to obey them, in uh, John chapter 15, 16, and 17, he says, I tell you these things so that your joy may be full, right? That my joy may be in you, right? That this sort of obedience that is, yes, challenging, as Jesus would say, is work, as Jesus would say, is worth it and will produce joy in us. But notice, they're all excited about the demons being cast out, and Jesus is like, like, I don't even know, guys. Let's skip to the, the last passage that I've got there. Verse 20 of, yeah, verse 20 of Luke 10. Uh, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Right? He's like, that's pretty cool. Like, I know you're excited, right? Like, God's power showed up. This is worth celebrating because God wants to see people liberated and set free uh, from bondage to sin. Right? God wants to see the, the sick healed. But the primary mission is the gospel, all right? The primary mission is seeing people come to experience salvation uh, where for all of eternity they'll benefit from that relationship that they now have with Jesus. That's better than any other thing. And, and Jesus says actually, don't, he says don't even rejoice simply that these people received the message. Rejoice that you've received this message. All right, so it's not like you're, you know, the head of the class just because you're the one, right, that we're, we're pro- proclaiming this. We don't think of ourselves as better than other people, but we rejoice every day that this message is, is good news for us, that our names are written in heaven, and it's not because of what we've done. It's all because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, church, I want us to consider that this is a costly mission but it's a worthy mission, all right? And even our church this week is going to be seven years old, all right? This is a really cool thing. We only are here because people were willing to be sent. People were willing to experience disruption in their lives and their plans and willing to go to bring a message of hope to our community, right? And like, this is really cool. And God continues to reach this community and hopefully every generation in this community through the work that God's working through us, working through his followers, all right? And so I want us to consider this. We can rejoice because someone thought their discomfort, their labor, their struggle was worth it to come here and start what we're experiencing and what we're blessed by even today. And so, I have a uh, video for us to, to watch about the history of Valley Town, uh, which is just really cool to consider of what God's done and what God continues to do in us. So watch this for like, I think it's four minutes.
When we came here, when we were getting started, it wasn't easy. But it was worth it. And we believe what Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fade. And there I find you in produced in them a joy that they'd not yet experienced. There is a joy that you will not ever experience until you see yourself as a sent one, as a missionary, as a pioneer for the kingdom of God in your workplace, in your family, with your friends, in this community, until you surrender to go wherever he says to go. God has done here has been miraculous, absolutely miraculous. And so we desperately want to see God do this in other places as well. And so it's with that conviction that I tell you that God is now calling my family and the Caldell family to King to plant another church like this one. What God has done in this valley has been so phenomenal that we cannot keep it here. We cannot keep it to ourselves. that when
whatever sacrifices we make for the kingdom of God are worth it. Amen. Well, praise God, praise God. Uh, so it's awesome that we can benefit from the sacrifices that other believers have made, that every generation has carried forth the, the gospel message to the next one. And, and we likewise have that responsibility to continue to proclaim it. I was actually just reading an update uh, email from Ben yesterday. He's actually pastoring a church up in Burlington now, and it's awesome the work that God has been doing in that area. Just so many diverse people groups living in that region and just continuing to reach more people. All right, God cares about you, but God also cares about those who have not yet heard. And so we need to experience the love of God in our lives. We need to uh, experience and then reflect and love him back because of what he's done. But he eventually fills us also with love for others. And so church, let's pray before we go into uh, the closing worship set. Here we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, so much that you love us, that you invest in us, that the work that you've begun in each of us is one that you plan on bringing to completion. Uh, that, God, you want to make us more and more like you. I thank you that as we might stumble, that your grace is there for us, your mercy is there for us, that there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. But, Lord, I pray that you would put in us a, a passion and desire for the lost, that you would put in us a desire to continue to pray for and pursue the people in our communities. And, God, that if, if some of us are called to be uh, perpetually sent to this area, we thank you, Lord, that we get to grow with one another but some will be called to be sent out. And I ask that you would give them boldness and courage as they step out to obey, that you would give us as a church the opportunity to equip those people with the gifts uh, that they will need in order to succeed in that mission. And I thank you, Lord, that you provide for that mission as well financially. And God, that you have met every need. You are faithful, Lord God. Uh, you care for us and you care for the lost. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.